Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Today, I am reconnecting with an old friend of mine, Mark Devine, who is absolutely incredible. He is one of the most, has experienced excellence in some of the most diverse groupings of endeavors that you could imagine. He originally graduated from Colgate University. He got an MBA from NYU, set out on a career as a CPA, and then completely changed directions and joined the Navy SEALs, which is where he spent a good part of his life becoming a Navy SEAL commander. He was number one in his BUDS class. It was class 170, if you know anything about how difficult that is. But not just being number one, his entire crew, the original boat crew, made it all the way through together, which is extremely, extremely rare. Mark has since become an entrepreneur, and he is he's a lifelong martial artist, a yoga and meditation practitioner, and just an incredible guy. Um, he has a program called Unbeatable Mind, a podcast that goes by the same name, which is just a top-ranked podcast on iTunes. And he's launched several different programs. Seal Fit was one, The Way of the Seal. He's the New York Times bestselling author, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and has just had a lot of reinventions. And he and I lost touch over a couple of years. We recently connected and I was just like, dude, your personal brand has grown. He was just speaking at Tony Robbins' event and he's just crushing it like he does, but in such a a Zen badass way. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Mark. It's good to see you, man. Thanks, Rory. I think you just gave me a new brand asset, Zen badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, seriously, I just I've you know, I've never met anybody like you. And we have some good friends that are Navy SEALs. You know, Navy SEAL Joe. I think we've talked about him in the past. I know you guys spent some time. A dear friend that we love, but just the the mindset, I mean, just the full integration of mind, body, spirit, I think is just something that you have done so well. And, you know, I guess that's that's the only place that we really can start. I want to hear some of your story about your transitioning from the Navy SEALs and building your personal brand and what that was like. But I don't feel like I can have this conversation without just going, how does the mindset of being a Navy SEAL and doing all these other things that you've done, how does that apply to building a personal brand? Because that's obviously what you've done is applied that same mindset, those same methodologies to what you're doing. And now you're, you're seeing extraordinary success. So what do you think is the overlap there? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, Rory. First of all, I would say when I reflect upon the mindset of the Navy SEAL combined with the mindset of the Zen practitioner. I'm not going to say master because that would be giving myself too much credit, but the Zen practitioner is very similar to the idea of yin and yang, you know, the Eastern concept of, of action and projecting force or power. That's the yin or the yang. That's kind of like the go out and get shit done. Navy SEALs 
as you're aware, are par excellence get shit dunners, right? They do that at a high level of effectiveness as a team, and they're virtually indomitable, right? When they go out and decide to do something, to do a mission. And the, the Zen mind is really the yin, and that is the receptivity, the flexibility, the ability to just absorb information without needing to act on it just right away. You know? So the yin and the yang are two forces that are meant, and this is why the, the symbol is the, you know, has the kind of swervy line in the middle. And, and they're meant to be in balance, right? And, and the Western world is all yang, all action. Whereas what I learned through my Zen training is when you combine action with non-action or receptivity, flexibility, absorption, quietude, uh, inner work instead of outer work, then it really brings a whole different quality to A, your life and how you think, the quality of your relationships to wit, you know, me getting my entire Boku or us getting through SEAL training together. So I deliberately, or maybe in the beginning through happenstance, kind of trained these together. Because I was training my Zen mind through my martial arts and then when I went into the SEALs, you know, that training had an aspect of like mental development in it, but I continued to do my Zen training and I never stopped since then. And that, as you mentioned, that has led me into yoga and other deeper spiritual practices. So I've been able to combine this attitude of learning or, or understanding how to get something done at a big level, like the SEALs, combined with a very, very disciplined practice and commitment to the yin, to receptivity, openness, you know, more connection, you know, not trampling over people when I get things done, but knowing that, hey, this is a team effort and inner practices. And those inner practices, I think, are so important for leaders today because there's so much distraction and there's so much energy about accomplishment, achievement, getting stuff done. But we've seen, we're starting to really appreciate how much that can damage relationships, damage the environment. If we're not receptive and thinking about our uh, second, third, fourth order consequences and taking in the connection and unity of all things, which can only be experienced in that kind of yin receptive phase. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm being very clear here, but so that experience of Zen and, and Navy SEAL training you know, when I finally understood what was happening and the importance of bringing that into my work, that then it started to, things started to work much better. You know, so I teach these things. We, we have this energy in our own business. For instance, like we, we practice box breathing before every single meeting, right? So we have this kind of yin receptivity kind of connection moment for five minutes and then we explode into action, right? In Can our, you tell everyone what the box breathing is? It's so funny that you mentioned this because I don't know when the last time I interviewed you, like, you know, you're, it was probably five years. It was at least five years ago at, at this least, point. Right. And I remember box breathing, Mark Devine from that conversation over five years ago. Can you tell <laughs> right. everybody what it is? I think I, I literally popularized this practice, even though it was you and I know it's been breathing practices have been around for since ever, right? But they weren't really um, well-known in the West. And when I started training, I started the current incarnation of me, the latest like reinvention started around 2005. I launched SEAL Fit in 2006 to train SEALs and other special operators 
this integrated approach that I had found worked extremely well for me. And that is to train, yeah, you know, we've got to train really hard physically, but we have to have to train our mind. We have to train emotional awareness and control and more emotional sensitivity. We have to train our intuitiveness so that we can be more aware of our, you know, our gut and our instinctual, you know, drives, especially under pressure. And we have to train our, uh, what I'll say was alignment with, you know, universal principles or spiritual principles so that we're out there doing good for humanity and not just being a wrecking ball. And, and we've seen what it means to be a wrecking ball, you know, with some of the problems and the chaos that, you know, we saw in Iraq and Afghanistan, especially with American troops, you know, frayed by the war and maybe, you know, playing over there to play whack-a-mole or bring revenge. And those are all like really bad ideas, you know, <laughs> war itself is a bad idea, but you know, if you go over there because you want revenge, that's an even worse idea. So I wanted to train the Navy SEALs how to be more integrated and whole as human beings. So they make better decisions on the battlefield, decisions that they're not going to regret, or the country's not going to regret decisions that they can be proud of for the rest of their life. That's a tall order, right? And so I'm not teaching them strategy and tactics, I'm teaching them how to be a good person, how to be a whole person, how to be thoughtful at a physical, mental, emotional level, how to use their whole mind, which means they also use their body as their mind. And so it, I took, you know, it took me many years, but developed this training program, which evolves consciousness and helps people become better leaders and better warriors, starting with the spec ops. And then I, you know, expanded into business world. I had to be willing to lead by example and to do this myself, right? And so everything that I teach is something that I've practiced and iterated. And uh, we've had countless things that have been tossed out. But the one thing, back to your question, that has stayed true through all this is that first core practice that I started teaching to the SEALs, and that was box breathing. And I had to, with, with those guys, they're very practical a group of individuals. And I could not tell them, oh yeah, we're going to teach you some ancient yoga breathing technique. They would have like gone whatever.com. I don't, I'm not interested, you know, but when I told them, Hey, I'm going to teach you a, a certain way to breathe, which is going to, it's going to give you the ability to control your arousal response. It's going to calm you down. It's going to bleed off all extra stress. It's going to get rid of anxiety. It's going to clear your mind and it's going to allow for better decision-making while under pressure. They're all like, bring it on. I want that. And then even the very first practice session, and we would practice box breathing for 30, 40 minutes at a time. And they'd come out of it and they'd be like, holy shit, right? And they never stop. Even if that's the only thing that they did, and I was, of course, teaching them a lot of other things, you know, different visualization trainings and mindfulness and all the physical things that we do, but all of that together really just really refined their body, mind, and spirit. But if it was just the box breathing, they still would have had an extraordinary you know, rate of success. 90% of the SEAL candidates that we train make it through SEAL training. <laughs> it's compared to like wow. 85% of everyone else quits or gets injured. Isn't that cool? Wow. So the training but really does work. It makes sense though to me. It's, it's the, yeah. like every battle is between, it's between them. It's in the mind, yeah, right? Like right. the battle happens there first. Right. And that's, in fact, we use that metaphor. We say we win in your mind before you step foot in the battlefield. But in order to c calm and clear the mind, you've got to learn how to breathe properly. 
And then once you kind of clear that mind, it's like tilling the garden. You got, you got nice fertile ground. Then you can start to curate your thinking and you eradicate negative thinking. You eradicate uh, belief systems and, and um, programming that's not serving you. And then we replace it with something really powerful. And that powerful thing to replace it with has imagery, it has an internal dialogue, and it has a set of emotional anchors to it. So it's a really cool process. And it's, it's simple, but not easy to do, right? To do this practice, it takes some de- discipline to do it. Yeah. So mechanically or functionally speaking, box breathing, is it breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold for four seconds? Right. Well, exact four or five, it depends upon, you know, how you breathe now, right? So everybody's going to be different based upon their physicality and whether they've any practice before. But the key is that you're breathing through your nostrils. And there's a lot of nuances to why, right? Breathing through your nostrils is really, really important with a closed mouth. And then you're going to inhale in that pattern. I call it box breathing because the pattern is like a box you want equal sides. And that pattern, there's a lot of different patterns for breathing. You know, we've all heard about Wim Hof. That's like a really intense breathing. He does it through the mouth. It's going to have a different effect on your mind and your body. I don't um, really recommend doing that practice as a starter kit, right? It's a pretty intense thing. If you do it, just do it once or twice. But I'm a big believer that you really got to go slowly into these breathing practices because you end up moving a lot of energy. So as you know, and this is at least my philosophy is, you know, what we're breathing is, is, is of course air at one level, but it's also energy. And you could even go further from a kind of more spiritual sense and say it's intelligence, it's life force. So when you breathe through your nose and you're bringing all that life force in, if you're, if you're forceful and intentional, uh, you're moving a lot of energy. And the yogis say that the breath is the bridge between the body and the mind and the, and the spirit. And so you're bridging yourself from the external to the internal. And when you, then you use breath. So let me just pause there and say, Box breathing is far more than just stress management or what we would call arousal control in the seals, but that's the starting point. And I will say another thing, and there's a reason a lot of people struggle with meditation is because they go right to the mindfulness. And mindfulness meditation really, in my view and my experience teaching it, really should be like the third step of a practice continuum. The first step is something like box breathing, you know, or it could be just slow diaphragmatic breathing where you, over a period of time, you begin to stabilize the mind and bleed off that extra stress. And you're able to sit and sit comfortably and be able to just box breathe without your mind running all over the place. So that's, that begins the process of settling that popcorn or monkey mind kind of feeling mm-hmm. that everybody just has. Just kind of quieting the mind, whatever. Quieting ter- down. Yeah. And yeah. then getting comfortable being alone and just breathing. So a lot of people are so agitated and distracted. And, you know, so you got to overcome all that to train your mind to be okay to just sit here. And then the question is what comes next? The second step, and we use box breathing for this too, is to teach your mind to concentrate deeply. And so then we just concentrate on the box pattern using imagery, or you can concentrate on mantra. So TM, you've heard of TM, that is just a concentration practice where you just inhale and breathe, breathe in the mantra and say it to yourself and exhale and say the mantra to yourself. So you're training your mind to concentrate on that one thing. You hook it to that one thing. And so this deepens your powers of concentration and takes you even deeper into your kind of inner domain, that yin space. Then the third 
thing that naturally flows from that is this process of mindful. I call it mindful awareness as well. You're concentrating and then you recognize that you're thinking. And then, so you teach yourself to be able to toggle back and forth between observing and thinking, observing and thinking. And then suddenly what opens up for you is you recognize that you're actually primary energy and, and um, your primary insight and wisdom and peace of mind and joy comes from the observer. I use the term witness in unbeatable mind. And you, and you become. Wait, dis- you're saying your primary sense of what, say that again, your, your primary your sense, sense of, of joy, your sense of self and joy, peace of mind and contentment are in the uh, observation phase of the process of being human. Right. And so where I'm going with this is this, this rift opens up between identification of me as a thinker merge with my thoughts. Like I am this, I am that I'm doing this. I'm doing that versus this aspect of you, which is just watching all that. And initially it's, it's going back and forth. You're toggling back and forth. And so meditation takes us to that. And then eventually Rory, and this is the Holy grail, you become stabilized in witness and you're not identified and caught up in your thoughts. So when you say, Hey, how did you build your personal brand? How do you stay so calm? It's because I, I'm just watching all this stuff unfolding. Sometimes I'm giving a little nudge here and there, but I'm not caught up in all the drama because I, I'm able to curate the quality and the directionality of my thinking. And then I'm letting it go and I'm not attached to it. I'm always breathing back into the witness and the witness is just calm. It's just watching. It's just there. It's your true nature. And this is when it starts to get really spiritual because you're like, wow, what is that? And then you look to the spiritual traditions and they all have different words for it and different kind of explanations or descriptions, all of which are useful, but maybe not relevant for you, depending upon culture and religious background, but it doesn't matter. We all have it and we all get to experience that. Well, and I think this practice, you know, it's like the average person listening to this podcast, probably not going into battle, so to speak. Oh, the battle but of their life, it's no different, right? You for not sure, be the having... battle of their life. But right. but also specifically, I think people listening here, that arousal response happens right before you step on stage, right before you hit the record button on the podcast, right before you look into the camera and record the video. And it's like so many people lose to the battle of... Am I going to be stupid? Are people going to like this? Am I going to say the right thing? Like, like, and their mind is just totally wandering towards the negative. And I think people don't really get that. Oh, this isn't just like a, a yoga thing. This is like this practice drives the presence and the connection that my audience actually feels on the other side of Correct. the microphone. That's right. Yeah. Ultimately, we get to curate the experience in our mind. And then as the experience unfolding, we stay in that deeply creative, spontaneous space. You know, that experience of flow is also an experience of just channeling, right? Your, what you know, what you are open to allowing to flow through you also, and not contracting into some egoic sense of fear, or like you said, just judgment about what people are thinking, or whether you're having an impact, you just let all that go. You, you detach from it. And that's what the experience of non-attachment really means is you're not attached to the outcome. You're not attached to all that stuff. You are, already let it go. And, you know, stepping out of the battlefield 
you know, in the seals, we didn't do that until we had already won it in our mind. You know, like you talked about, we, we breathe deeply together. We visualize the outcome. We believed that it was going to happen. And only when we were done with all that preparatory work, did we go get on the helicopter or the submarine and go do the mission. And then we just let it flow. Right. We expected it to be constantly changing and we were adapting to it, but we weren't trying to control it. And we weren't um, reacting negatively when things went bad because we were just like going with the flow because we knew that we had already seen the outcome. But we knew also that that outcome, that the path that outcome was going to be the fun part. It wasn't going to go anything like we planned. Right. Because no plan survives contact with the enemy. So when it comes to like a brand, someone with a personal brand, you know, if, let's go back to Tony Robbins. Let's say that. So Tony Robbins event coming up, there's 4,000 people there and I've got to get on stage. And this is new, really cool new virtual studio that he has. I visualized that for days beforehand and I knew how it was going to go. I had exactly 25 minutes. Did I have everything I was going to say in 25 minutes written down? No. Did I have any PowerPoint slides or anything like that? No. Did, I just had a framework of three core messages that I wanted to get across. And then I had some practices that I want to teach that were tied to each of those core messages. And all the way up to the moment before I went on, you know, I was visualizing the outcome and the impact and how it would land. And then I held that outcome in my mind during the event. And everything that was supposed to be said was said. I was also the observer, just watching myself and almost like I was able to have a lot of fun with it. Most people wouldn't say that standing in front of 4,000 people speaking is fun, but I had a lot of fun because my witness was just watching this unfold going like, wow, that's really cool. It's taken a number of years to get there though. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. And I want to ask you this question because I think that's so cool about how, you know, you visualize the outcome and it's like when you see the outcome so clearly, you're kind of like detached from the path a little bit, like no plan survives contact with an enemy and you go, yeah, it might be a little bit different than I pictured, but I'm going to get there. Are you detached from the outcome also or not really? Are you, you're pretty set on like this is going to be the outcome right you win the win in the mind means that you've won the outcome you have an acceptable range of you know emotions and experiences that that outcome could provide you and an image you know what that outcome looks like you also allow that you know if there's four thousand people there might there are going to be different four thousand different experiences and so you're going to land differently with different people and that's okay and then you just trust in the process, right? And the only time I've ever, you know, left, you know, a presentation and, and I felt like, okay, the outcome didn't exactly land the way I thought is when I contracted back into, 
ego or into the thought mind, right? And, and this will often happen if someone says, hey, we really want you to use a PowerPoint or we really want you to teach a concept using a whiteboard or something. And then I'm like, okay, I have to contract back into my left brain linear thinking mind and be like, okay, what's the, what's the process? What's the structure? What's the, what's the model I want to teach? And then you know, I'll have to take time to write that on the board. And, and it completely interrupts the flow of the process that I was getting at. It's very difficult to be in flow when you're in that kind of like linear teaching mode because you're shift into left brain mode of operating. And whereas, whereas Zen and all the training that we've been talking about here opens up into right brain or whole mind thinking, which goes beyond the brain. It's your heart, your, your gut, your whole body becomes your mind. And so you end up teaching with that whole mind and you're way more, you have way more intelligence. Most people have no clue like how much intelligence and potential that they have, but it's locked up because they're not able to access that whole mind thinking. And we've only been taught to use that left brain linear rational kind of mind. And that's such a, it's such a weak, it's a weak way to use our mind. It's, you know, it's, I shouldn't say it's not, doesn't have its strength and power, but it has a serious contracted energy to it and it's limiting. And it's usually tied to some sort of judgment about being right or wrong or about being good or bad. You know, so another way to look at this is kind of in that whole mind thinking, you're able to access both non-dual and dual states simultaneously, the yin and the yang come together. And it's like, if you look that back at that yin yang signal, you're, you're existing right on the edge of the yin and yang symbol. That's, that's mastery. That's flow. Where you're I've able always to like, loved on the, in, in that symbol. You know, so I did, I did martial arts when I was, I was younger, Shaolin Kung Fu. And my favorite part of that symbol was the one dot of the other energy that was on the other side of it. Just that, you know, kind of that like the, that. That represents action and non-action and non-action and action, right? So that's the, the stillness that exists in bowl or the stillness that exists when you're acting, when you train the yin and you bring it into your action. And then when you're not acting, there's still some action. It's like when I'm sitting on the meditation bench, there's action, but it's mental action, right? It's not visible, but you're, you're creating in your mind the outcomes that you want to see in the physical world and then you go do it so that's I, cool i want it's super yeah it's cool I, and i you know all of this which i, I think this has been awesome because i think a lot of what you hear you know is just very like actionable strategies to like grow your whatever and this is this is very much kind of like tapping into a lot of the the more energy side of it but you use the word ego a couple times and ego is especially, I think, a fascinating and challenging dynamic for personal brands. And it's something I wanted to ask you about specifically, one, because of your mindfulness practice, but two, because in the Navy SEALs, it's like there is a unit. It's it's like there, from what I gather, from what I understand is it's it's like, there's not a star player. There's not like, there's not the quarterback. There's not... It is a unit. It is a team. There's no room. Ego Mission can literally first, mean team second. Yeah, and then it's like ego can mean death, and then you come into the world of personal brands, and it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much vanity. How many followers do you have? You know, what titles do you have uh, after your name? Like, what you know? How, how many stages have you spoken on? How much money do you make? So you're like, you've lived in these two worlds. How do you separate 
And at the same time, there's a drive for achievement that does matter, right? Like you're trying to grow your impact. You're trying to be in front of more people. You're trying to impact more lives and help people do things. How do you create that kind of healthy reconciliation of ego as a personal brand, kind of both drawing from like your past to the, in the, in the seals and then also kind of this mindfulness part, but also with the, you know, there's an element, like you're saying of the young power of pursuing action and growth and success and, and you know, reaching more people and all that. So talk yeah. to me about that. All right. That's such a great question. And there's a lot of ways that we can kind of begin to answer it or look at it. In the SEALs, there are a lot of big egos in the SEALs for sure, but uh, generally speaking, those egos get refined over time. And the process of refinement is being on that team where you check your ego at the door and it's about the team and about the accomplishment of the mission and not you as an individual operator. And, and eventually no one cares. If you've got a big ego, you start, you know, the trust level starts to go down. And in that regard, when I say big ego, I mean, if you are arrogant, right? If you believe your shit doesn't stink or you're better than someone else. So the ego process, the process of refining the ego in the seals is, you know, day in and day out, you're training together, you're failing, you're getting, you know, held accountable for your failures. Everything we do is debrief. So every day you're having a debrief where someone's calling you and saying, Hey, Devine, you know, <laughs> you may be in charge of this thing, but you were a shit show in that last mission. Right. And this is what I saw you do. And, and, and I'd be like, oh yeah, I saw that same thing. And man, I don't know where my head was at, but I'm going to, I'm going to work on that. You know, I'm going to learn from this. So you're constantly learning with the, with the intention that you're going to get better. So the team, so you're bringing more to the team and then everyone has that attitude. And over time, your ego gets refined to where you stop believing your own bullshit as much. You know, and so that brings kind of a second point is what is ego? It, it really is just your personality, right? So you can't, you know, this Zen concept that you can kill the ego or the ego is enemy. Yeah, I don't think so. The, the point is that you're always going to have an ego. Even, even Dalai Lama has an ego. You can't get rid of it. Otherwise, you'd be a walking catatonic zombie. You know what I mean? Your ego is just your personality. It's the thing that says, you know, Rory is a brand uh, coach. Mark Devine is a unbeatable mind coach. Mark Devine has an MBA CPA. He was a Navy SEAL for 20 years. He's got this physical structure. He's male. He identifies as male. That's all ego. That's your personality. It's your self-identity. Now, you can have a positive self-identity that is built upon a strong set of like universal values and um, self-esteem and awareness that just because I've got these you know, specific and unique qualities and attributes as a human being doesn't mean I'm any better than Rory Baden. And your, your specific qualities and attributes are not any better than mine. Or I the mean, next I guy. could probably take you in a fight. I mean, we might as well just put sure. that out there, yeah. Mark. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> you bring, bring your team. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> That's I one unique so. area that I have some skills. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you've got some skills there. <laughs> yeah. But my point is that ego has a bad rap because we just think it's bad to have an ego. The point I'm trying to make is you can't live without your ego. It's your personality. The relationship you have with that personality is what I think is important, right? So am I merged with this idea that I am all these great things as a thought leader? I am this thought leader. I have been on the stage 3,000 times. I have made an eight-figure or 10-figure business. You know, whatever. Wouldn't that be nice? 
And so then people say, wow, that guy's got a big ego because he's actually got a bad ego or a negative ego. He's identifying with all this stuff that really ultimately doesn't matter. Whereas if you said, okay, I, I am Mark Devine and I've had these experiences, but I am actually really just a human being you know, who has a lot of flaws and, you know, has stumbled and stubbed his toe and, and uh, hurt a lot of people in his life and, and then gone to great lengths to really try to heal and to forgive and to, um, you know, to really be the best version of myself. And oh, by the way, I recognize the sameness in Rory and in Sally Sue and in Jackie and, and everybody in the world, because we all have this same humanness. And I find my self-esteem and I find my sense of uh, self grounded in that. That's bad. And also because I want to be an aware and evolving human being, I take time in silence and I recognize that in silence, you know, wow, there's some sort of unity experience, right? That gets revealed to me that says we are all connected, right? We all, we all kind of come from this primordial soup, just like, you know, a, a wave or a whirlpool, you know, could be like an individual identity, but it comes from the water. And so we all have that same wetness as human beings. You know what I mean? That's our spiritual nature. And so when you connect to that, your ego just looks like a little tiny thing suddenly in a distance, right? Your you, space in your mind just starts to really expand. And you have this deep, interconnected, spacious experience of what it means to be human. And this sense of like Mark Devine as an author, speaker, coach, New York Times bestselling, whatever, you know, whatever money, it, it all becomes somewhat meaningless, almost like a game. You don't identify with it. It's like what you were talking about earlier about being like the observer or the yeah, witness. Exactly. It's like, right. these are things that you have done. They are not right. who you are. They're not who are, who you are anymore. Uh-huh. And that's an outcome of the same practice I was talking, we've been talking about the same practice that allow you to be a better operator on the battlefield, a better speaker, author, coach, because you're going to show up way more authentic, way more heart-centered, way more connecting. You know, you're not leading with your your left brain sense of I am awesome and people are going to love me because I'm awesome. You're leading from a service perspective and where you're just like, how can I serve these people the most authentic way that I can today? And how can I take responsibility for how everything that's coming out of my voice or my words are going to land? And how can I just be a really good person right now and, and be present and just allow what needs to come through me, come through me. I think that that same sense of sort of detachment, witness, observer, what you're talking about, it's like the same mechanism for processing success as for processing failure. I am not my failure. This is something that happened. I'm not my success. This is something I did. That's really a really beautiful, right. neutral, but place we, of we, strength. Right. And then from within that, we recognize this back to yin yang. We recognize that in the yin space, when we sit down in our morning routine and we, and we meditate and then we visualize, we get to curate our experiences. We get to curate the future, the so-called future, meaning like, how's that speech going to go? Or how's this business going to look in five years? We get to decide that and we get to practice it in our mind. And we basically create it. Of course, we have to go do action, lots of action. But once we create it in our mind and we come back to that every day and see that vision and re-engage re it and recharge it, it's like a massive magnetic force that just pulls us toward that vision. And we also get to heal the past, right? We get to go in, into this 
theoretical past state where we screwed up or we had those so-called failures and we get to change our relationship with that experience and to forgive, let go, and to find the jewel of the lesson. And I can go back to everything that at the time was so painful, you know, just completely kicked in the cojones, down on my knees, you know, saying, what the F happened? Why did I do that? That was, you know, whatever. And go back and be like, I can see exactly why that happened. I'm grateful for it happening because I'm a stronger person and I wouldn't have learned what I needed to learn and I wouldn't be who I am and where I am today without those experiences. All that you can do that all the way back to birth, you know what I mean? Essentially. In fact, there's a very famous Toltec practice from the warrior tradition where they, they call it recapitulation. So we, we use this practice in Unbeatable Mind, not quite as extensively as they did, but they required budding warriors who were uh, maybe let's say they're 16 or 17. I'm making that up, but at whatever age they were about ready to become real warriors, they would send them out into the wilderness for a year. And living on their own, of course, it has all those trials and tribulations. That's their rite of passage. But they also had to recapitulate their entire life day by day, all the way back to birth. Served for a couple of functions. One, what a massive regret eradicator, right? Every single interaction that they had, every word that they said, everything that they did, they got to go relive and let go of any negative energy they had associated with it and, and look for the lesson, Right. And then secondarily, it trained their visualization, right? So that they were incredibly keen visualizers. So when they became finally admitted into the warrior class, they weren't dragging any of that regret from past failures and past fuck-ups into their future as a warrior. And they had already developed the, the powers of the internal mind to be able to create the conditions they wanted for success. So that's a, a tool that we can all use and it's a birthright because we have the power in our mind to both heal and to create. Yeah, I mean, this is this is so powerful. And uh, I mean, I just I love the title "Unbeatable Mind" so much. I think I probably told you that, but you know, years ago. And you know, this is just accessing the, this incredible asset that you have and and conditioning your mind. Where should people go, Mark, if they want to connect with you and like plug into the stuff that you're doing? Yeah, thanks for asking. So. Personal website is markdivine.com. My Instagram channel where most of my social media stuff goes is at realmarkdivine. Unbeatablemind.com. I'll tell you what, there's a really cool product that we put together, which is like a 30-day intro course. And we set it up as a 21, 20, you know, 2021 challenge for goal achievement, but it really introduces all these principles, teaches box breathing and the, you know, the, the mental skills. And that's at unbeatablemind.com slash challenge. I think it's, uh, if you go to that URL, I'm not 100% sure, but that's, it's like free or it's a dollar to get in, you know, that kind of thing. Don't quote me on that. It might be different. I love it. Well, we'll put links, we'll put links to all that. And this is just so, so cool and so powerful. And it's just really enriching and, and rewarding to see you, you know, incorporate these different disciplines, apply them to your own life, help other people, bring it together, see your brand growing and to know, you know, that this is helping people and getting out there in the world. And man, we just wish you the best and we send prayers your way and love to you and just keep going, brother. Yeah, I will. Really, thanks for the conversation, Rory. I mean, it was, went in a probably a really different direction than both of us were thinking it would, but you know, it went where it needed to go. And I love talking about the practices of the yin and the yang of the 
Navy SEAL badassery combined with the Zen. So, <laughs> as a bookend, thank you for that. <laughs> of course, buddy. All the best. Yeah. See you later. Yeah, likewise. Hoo yeah. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.